have a very low quality of life. I can't play sport. I mean, no, I can't play football. I can't play soccer. So I focus on my unique abilities. I focus on my strengths. I, I focus on what I can do. And that leads to the great results, right? So be very conscious of what you're focusing on. Everybody, welcome back. We are here for another episode of Comeback Stories. And today's guest is Nick Santanastasso. So despite being born with no legs and one arm, Nick today is a bodybuilder, an internationally known speaker, and internet sensation. When Nick was born, he had a 30% chance of surviving birth. Nick was one of 12 people in the world at the time who was born with Hanhart syndrome, a rare genetic disorder. Although he survived, Nick was born legless and with only portion, a portion of one of his arms. So Nick has not allowed any of those challenges to, to stop him from achieving his biggest dreams. And he is absolutely crushing life in so many ways. So Nick, thank you, brother. It's great to have yes, you on our show. Yes, sir. You crushed the last name too. That was good. Thanks. Thanks <laughs> for having me. <laughs> of course, man. We dive right in. We want to know, so what was growing up for you? Yeah. So to, to give some context, like you had mentioned, they gave me a 30% chance to live. And as you can may see, if you're a parent, like, how do you handle that? Like, how do you handle that news? And my parent, and I wanted to share this because it's really important, is that my parents made a massive decision in that moment. And what they decided was that they were going to consciously focus on the 30% chance of me surviving versus the 70% chance of me passing away. The reason being is because what you focus on, you will get more of, or what you focus on, you will expand. And I think that's extremely important because in this unprecedented time, there's a lot of uncertainty and there's a lot of things that we can focus on that can bring us down. Um, but there's a lot of things that are right in your life that you can constantly focus on as well. And so I my parents made that conscious decision to focus on the 30% chance of me living. I was born in this unicorn body. I got my no legs, one arm, but all my organs were 100% healthy. And my biggest advantage growing up was that my parents treated me normal. I have three other siblings and they threw me into the mix. I got beat up by my brothers and sisters just like everyone else did. And what was interesting, I didn't understand it at the time, but what was interesting was my parents would put my clothes in front of me and they would say, okay, figure it out. And I would be, get so pissed off and I'm trying to put my clothes on and I don't understand what they're doing. And then I finally, clearly, because I got a shirt on today, I figured out how to put my clothes on. Um, but then the next challenge came. They put me in a high chair and they put some cereal there and they say, what time it is? Figure it out. And what they were doing, and I think this is really important, is two things. Actually, three. Let's go three and then we'll go to the next one. But three things is, first, at an early age, I developed an empowering relationship with failure. Like failure is a friend to me. Failure is a best friend. We cuddle, we watch Netflix because I know on the other side of failure, massive personal growth is going to be taking place. Now, mm -hmm. if you have a bad relationship with failure, you ain't going to lean into the uncomfort. You ain't going to take a shot at your goals. You ain't going to build a business. You ain't going to say hi to the guy or girl, right? So we need to lean into failure. So the viewers right now, we can reevaluate is failure a friend or is failure a foe? The second thing that they did was I, I developed an empowering relationship with rejection because I got rejected doing everything. I got rejected putting my clothes on, eating food, getting on the couch. And then the third thing, which is extremely valuable, is I just became solution-oriented at a very early age because I was forced to. I focus on the solution versus the problem. And so I think that there's a balance. I think you should focus 10% of your energy on the problem and feel it, analyze it, but then all of your energy should go towards the solution because what you focus on, you'll get more of. Coming in hot, man. That is, that's not really <laughs> so much I heard in what you just said. And I know there's going to be so much more, but I heard this resiliency, right? The grit. Your parents gave you that gift to figure it out yourself and to be up against the challenge and the struggle. The other thing that I heard is just this 
unbelievable perspective. And you might think you have problems, you might think you're struggling, and and to hear how you've gone about it, it puts things in perspective on what is the right perspective to crush life, no matter what you're faced with. Yeah. And when people are listening to this, what we need to realize first is like the man that you see here, I've built this person. I wasn't always like this. Like all of us, we all had our journeys and we built this person. And so what we need to realize is like, when we talk about all these techniques we're going to go through, that just like the gym, these are muscles. They don't come over time. I wish I could go to the gym for a week and be jacked for life. Unfortunately, it don't work like that. Right. And so these are all muscles. And so we constantly are working on it through throughout the day. And I'll give the I'll give the an audience an equation real quick. Focus equals an emotion equals action equals result. So what that means is if you focus on the shitty stuff, you're gonna have shitty emotions, you're gonna take shitty actions, and you're gonna get shitty results. And that's also one of the very reasons why you can see why in a broad way the rich get rich and the poor get poor is because of the focus. And it's a constant never ending cycle if you don't break that focus. And so I always say the simple analogy is if a man with no legs, one arm woke up every single day and focus on the fact that I'll never be like Darren and score, I'll never be an NFL player. I have a very low quality of life. I can't play sport. I mean, you know, I can't play football. I can't play soccer. So I focus on my unique abilities. I focus on my strengths. I, I focus on what I can do. And that leads to the great results, right? So be very conscious of what you're focusing on. And we can all agree that what's wrong in your life will always be there for you to focus on. But on the flip side, what's right in your life is always there. You choose. Me and Darren both come from the world of recovery and there's a lot of sayings, little one-liners. And one of them is acceptance is the answer to all my problems. Acceptance Mm. doesn't mean we always have to like it or that it was quote fair, but acceptance, if we don't accept it, we're just banging our head against the wall of reality. So I heard a lot of acceptance in what you just shared. Yeah. I, and I'm going to take this somewhere else too. It's because it came up and I'm really moved by y'all because and we can get into this later. And it's like the middle part of my life. But my brother was always, my brother was one of my role models. My brother was the very reason why I started wrestling. And about a year and a half ago, my brother overdosed on, on heroin and, and fentanyl. And that was like a big challenge in my life because I'm the guy who changes people's lives. I shift their perspective. I get them to take action on our life. And I did so much and I couldn't help my brother. So there's a part of it's the analogy, like you can lead a horse to the water, but you can't force it to drink. It's like, You can do so much, but you can't sacrifice everything to try to change someone's life. They're going to want to have to change and they're going to want to have that commitment to change. But if we can go right into that, like when I got into middle school and high school, I was looking for a way out. And when I say a way out, I was looking for a way to fall in love with myself a little bit more because one, I realized I was different. Two, I realized I'm stuck with this no legs, one arm, so I better get used to it. And I need to find ways to fall in love with myself a little bit more. And I think we can both agree that middle school and high school are very judgmental times. Like the most judgmental times right now, we're probably reflecting back to our awkward moments in middle school and high school. And I was looking for the secret sauce, which was confidence. I was a kid that thought you're either born with confidence or you didn't have it. But the truth is, and I want the viewers to know this, that confidence is a skill. We talked about muscles. Confidence is a muscle and confidence is something that we acquire. Darren, I saw you just post Ed Milet. He's a good friend of both of us. We just posted about confidence. Confidence literally comes from following through in the very promises that you keep with them. And so what I mean by that is an analogy. After this, I said, hey, Darren, I'm flying into Vegas. I'm going to meet you here for sushi at 6 p.m. He's all, we we all go to sushi. And you guys show up at 6 p.m. and I never show up. How many times of Nick not showing up are you going to realize I'm unreliable? Once, twice, maybe three times. Now let's flip the script on ourselves. 
How many times have you made a promise where you say you're going to go to the gym, you're going to do an extra workout, you're going to close more deals, you're going to ask the guy or girl out, you're going to build a business. How many times that you've made a promise to yourself and you broke it, are you going to realize you're unreliable? Now, the deeper issue that is unconscious is every time that we make a promise and we break it, we diminish the, our self-integrity. We diminish our word and we diminish the relationship we have within ourselves. And my friends, when you break one promise, what is it easier to do? Break two, break three, fourth, there's your downward spiral, right? And so the reason why, and I'm a firm believer with all certainty that confidence and self-worth is the foundation to your success is because you'll never make more than you think you're worth in all areas of your life. If you don't think you're worth the mindset, you'll self-sabotage it. If you don't think you're worth the amazing relationship, guess what? You'll self-sabotage it. If you think you're a 50K or a year, you're going to be capped at 50K a year. And that's how it goes. And so what you'll notice about the, the greatest people in the world, the highest achievers is they have a lot of confidence, right? And they do that by actually following through and holding to their word because a man is only good as his word. Can you take us back and just share an early memory of pain? Like something you've obviously persevered through a ton, but can you take us back and just share an early memory of something, a big struggle? Yeah, absolutely. So I was in middle school and I was on the bus and there was a girl to the left of me and she was just having a field day. She was making fun of everyone. I'm like, oh man, she's going to have a field day with me. And she looked over to me and I looked to my left and she said, Nick, I don't even have to start with you. You're already too messed up anyway. Look at you. And as a 14, 15-year-old kid, the first question that pops in my head is the why me, the victim, right? The why me comes out. And what happens is when a negative event happens in our life, we can stack thoughts. And we can stack thoughts in a negative way or we can stack thoughts in a positive way. And we've all done it. I'll prove it to you. We've all woken up and immediately looked at our phone and saw a text message or a phone call or an email that triggered us. Yes, we've all done it before. Now, if you don't catch your, your focus and your inner dialogue, what? Your whole day's negative. You're like, shit, I got to get ready for this workout or I got to go. Traffic sucks. The heat, you just, your brain starts going to all the negatives, right? And so you can stack into this deep, dark, negative place. And so when that girl said that to me, I started stacking thoughts. And the thoughts that I would stack with were, she's right. Nick, you are disgusting. You'll never go to your junior prom. You'll never go to your senior prom. You'll never have a girlfriend. You can't work a job. How are you going to hold her, hold her books? You can't even open her locker. I'm talking, you see what I'm saying? Stack and stack. And humans, we change for two reasons. We either change because we've experienced enough pain. We run away from pain or we run towards pleasure. But humans will always run away from pain faster than they'll run towards pleasure. And so a lot of the times in all of our lives, we experience so much pain where we had this is it. This is the breakthrough. I've had enough of pain and I'm going to shoot to the next level. And I think for me, I'm thankful for that. I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for that. She did that because I experienced enough pain to go ahead and work on myself. And because of that and trying to experience love and boyfriends and girlfriends and all that stuff, I was like, I'm going to become a wrestler. My brother's a stud. I'm going to become a wrestler. If I become a wrestler, girls will like me. I'll be an athlete. I'll beat some people up. This is going to be amazing. It's going to help myself worth. And I had a bit of a challenge. And my challenge was that this arm was five inches longer than it is now, and my bone was going faster than my skin. So it was super sensitive, and the bottom line is, if I would have hit my arm hard enough, my bone would have came through my skin. And so going back to being solution-oriented, I'm like, man, if I could become a wrestler, I'll have all these benefits, but I need to get around this arm. And so I came home one day, and I sat my parents down. I said, Mom and Dad, I want to become a wrestler. And my mom's like, oh, no. Wrestling is the most physical sport. God forbid you hit your arm, your bone comes through your skin. What are you going to do then? And I looked at my parents and I said, can we cut my arm off? And they said, what? I said, yeah, 
can we cut my arm off? Can we do something about it? And they said, is this something that you really want to do? And I said, absolutely. And so my sophomore year of high school, my parents went ahead and scheduled the appointment for them to amputate five inches on my arm off so I could become a wrestler. Now, that's all great. That's cool. I'm not here to say, oh, Nick chopped his arm off to become a wrestler, but there's a lesson in it. And the lesson, I'm going to instill the lesson here with a few questions. Now, real quick, I want to give you context of why questions are so important is because our brain, I'm going to talk about the brain a lot, master of psychology. Our brain is a problem solving mechanism, especially for us alpha males. We're always trying to fix things. We're always trying to solve problems, right? And so what that means is every time that you ask yourself a question, your brain's going to give you an answer. So if the quality of your life comes down to the quality of the questions you ask yourself, if you ask yourself a shitty question, what kind of answer are you going to get? A shitty one, right? And the question's like, why me? Why don't I have the resources? Why is my whole family broke? Why can't I get into college? Why can't I build a business? Your brain's going to give you all the damn answers you want. You did it to yourself. And so most people are going through life asking disempowering questions, which are giving them disempowering answers, which lead to dis- disempowering results. Now, the questions that I'm going to ask is a better question. I'm going to challenge people by asking great questions. But the reason why I ask questions is because I am not here to give you answers. If I give you answers, you'll be like, okay, that's great. That's Nick's answer. But what great leaders do is they lead people to the right answers with the right questions. Because if I ask you a question and you come up with your own answer, you're going to take action on it faster than you'll take action on if I gave you an answer. Does that make sense? Oh, all day. Yeah, for sure. Because even great leaders are great coaches. A great coach will ask the questions and let you find the answer. A great mentor might, you know, talk a lot more than a good coach will. Yeah, absolutely. And so the three questions that we can all self-reflect on the first one, what are you willing to sacrifice for your dream? Even at a taste of your dreams, man, I don't even know if I was going to be able to be eligible to wrestle, but I knew this would do something for me. So what are you willing to sacrifice? The second question for the audience is hopefully it's not a limb like me, but what are the very limiting beliefs that you need to cut off that no longer serve you? And the beliefs I'm talking about are, I don't have the resources. I don't have the knowledge. None of my family went to college. None of them were athletic. My whole family's obese. I don't have the limbs. I don't know what it is, but everybody listening right now knows what I'm talking about. The thought pattern that you go over over and over again that holds you back from everything else that you want in life. And then the third question, which if this makes you uncomfortable, good, supposed to, is what are the very people in your life that no longer serve you that you need to cut off? If, if I learned anything from being dear friends with Tony Robbins is love your family and friends, choose your peer group. Choose your peer group. Because I, I'm going to shoot it straight with you all right now. If you hang around people who are unhealthy and overweight, you're most likely unhealthy and overweight. If you hang around people who are penny pinchers, you're most likely a penny pincher. You hang around with people who have toxic relationships, you got toxic relationships. And if you hang around people who have low standards, it's only a matter of time before you lower your own damn standards. No, I definitely feel that. When I got sober, my friend group has changed so many times. And there's a lot of times of loneliness, honestly. It was, I don't know if anybody will be able to connect on me to this deep of a level. All the people around me are pretty much just operating at the surface of things. And I had to get to a point, like you said, where I had to value the fact that I was going a way that was true to myself and authentic to me instead of going after the comfortability of being with people that I knew, things that I was, that was my routine. Like I was just everything that I knew. Instead of trying to break away from that and feel the pain of making that change, but knowing that something greater was on the other side. So that's, that, that speaks to me in volumes. Um, 
Before, we'd like to get into what we think of the lowest point, greatest adversity. But before that, a story that I wanted you to shed light on that I heard you share on was one where you were sitting on a plane and you got on the mm-hmm. plane and, and the two seats were left open next to you. I don't want to share too much yeah. about it. I want to yeah. Yeah. Before you get to that, from a brother to a brother, I just want to let you know I'm really proud of you. I'm proud of both of you because change is hard. I want to, and I, I want real quick, I'm going to go into this and I'll share the plane story. I'm, I'm extremely proud of both of you because People need to realize change is hard. And the reason why change is hard is because our software, our mind that runs our entire life is always trying to bring you back to your old identity. Every single day, we are in a battle of overriding our old software. And and we can literally, we can get addicted to drugs, but we can also get addicted to emotion. So how many times have we all had, we've been having a great day and all of a sudden you think about a thought or an event that happened in the past and it brings the emotions to the present moment. You know what I'm talking about? And it totally changes your whole entire mood. People can get, most humans literally live, live the past emotions over and over again. So I just want to give this because it's real con it's great context is say for 30 years, 40 years, 20 years, you've been living in the past and feeling those emotions and you're addicted to anger. You're addicted to depression. You're addicted to anxiety, right? And then you try to start making change. Say you start going to the gym or say you start working out, whatever it may be, your body, when it starts feeling the new emotions goes, oh, this isn't comfortable. These are new emotions. This is uncertain. I don't like this and I want to go back to the old me. And what it does is it goes, I'm a self-sabotage. And how it does is it sends thoughts up your spine into your brain and the thoughts go like this. You're just like your dad. Just like your mom. Who are you to think you could do this? Do it tomorrow. Hit the snooze button. Take it easy. You know what I'm talking about? And that is your old software trying to self-sabotage your growth. And so I want to let people know that change is hard. But if you create an anchor, every time those thoughts come into your head of override it, take action, make a move, do whatever it is, you will work on constantly overriding your old software. But I want to let you know, I'm super proud of you guys because it inspires me that the changes that you made. Now, the plain story that you're talking about is I, I travel a lot for speaking and my team rolls me up into the terminal wheelchair. And I don't know if you know what happens when you roll up in a wheelchair, but you get to skip the line, focus on your strengths. And so they roll me down into the wheelchair and I sit, I sit in the front row and it's a three-seater row and I sat next to the window so two of their people can have the best seats in the plane. And the plane started filling in and people are looking at me and then looking away or, hey, look at that guy. And over the 25 years of my life, I'm in tune with this stuff. I see it more than other people would see it. And so the plane started filling in and no one wanted to sit next to me. And I started feeling emotions that all human beings felt. I felt unconfident. I felt uncomfortable. I felt disgusting. I felt like I didn't fit in. And the plane started filling in and I'm trying to be a stud, but I'm looking at the window. I'm starting to tear up. And finally, two gentlemen have to sit down and and I'm looking out the window and I'm like, Nick, what would you tell the people? You practice what you preach. You're the guy. Give your, take your own advice. What would you tell them? And I said, it's the meaning I attached behind this event. And so in that moment, I said, Nick, you can cry the way home. You can let this affect your day, your week, your month. Or you can celebrate the fact that you have the most legroom in this plane out of everyone. And in the snap, snap your fingers for me. I'll pretend. Here we go. In the snap of a finger, I took a situation that was disempowering. In a snap of a finger, I took a situation that was an L and I turned it into a win by changing the meaning behind the event. And that is the technique or the strategy called reframing. Reframing means that I can have a tragic event happen in my life and you can have the same tragic event happen in yours. You can see all the good. I can see all the bad. It's the meaning we attach behind the event. And so when you change your story, you change your life. And that was the same technique that I used years later about that situation of the girl in the bus. The girl in the bus, like I thought girls hated me. 
And then I asked myself a better question. I said, what's the more empowering meaning? And what I've realized, if a girl doesn't want to love a me because my no legs and one arm, if someone doesn't want to do business with me because my no legs and one arm, well, wait, maybe this disability or whatever you want to call it is actually working for me. And it's filtering out the type of men and women that I don't want in my life anyway, in my life changing them. Yeah, that's why I wanted to come with that story. <laughs> it's, just, it's just incredible. First off, it speaks to me. It says that though that you are so successful now, in all the things that you do, it's still not going to be a perfect walk. It's still not going to be this walk where there are no bumps in the road or there are no obstacles or moments where we really have to lock in and apply the skills that we've learned. Uh, there's no point that we arrive to where where everything is easy. And just reframing that perspective is an amazing thing because uh, it's not the easiest thing to do by any means. It's easy just to latch on to the, the thoughts that are like the low-hanging fruit. But um, but to go there and to take it there, it's like that, that that's the place where we want to get to as people. And that's where people want to get to in their comeback story. So we thank you for sharing that. And the other part, you know, Donnie, with the coaching calls, everything he always says is the only story that matters is the story that you tell yourself. And it's just amazing to hear that from uh, from men that are really doing the work. But ask you not to assume that was the lowest moment of your adult life. I want to ask you if you could picture one moment that was of greatest adversity to you. Take us through that moment, what it was like, what you were feeling, and how were you able to, to overcome it? Yeah, I'll, I'll give I'll give a, the recent one because you said you're in, adult, you're in your adult life and I've been blessed in my adult life to not have too many lows. And we all have lows, but not like real rock bottoms. And so the one that I mentioned earlier was, it was a year ago, it was my, da- it was my dad's birthday. And he had, I called him in the morning, I'm like, happy birthday. I'm like, have you talked to Mike? And he's like, yeah, I just talked to Mike. That's my brother. He's, he, yeah, he's doing great. Blah, 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 blah. Who knows? And then literally an hour or two hours later, my dad calls me on, on FaceTime and he's bawling his eyes out. He's like, hey, I'm at the crime scene. Your brother just overdosed. And I can't tell your sisters. You need to tell them for me. And I'm holy shit. I don't even know what's going on. I got it. I got you, Pops. So I hang up the phone. And I call my sisters and I let them know the news. And I had to be that for my dad. And then it didn't set in. It didn't settle in. And I have to go on and I have to speak. I had to teach kids that day. I had to show up for those kids. And I had to still set the standard and and be me. And reflecting on it or reframing on it or trying to find the gift in the situation, there was a lot of things that I pulled out of it instead of, because that stuff can sink you. That stuff can cripple you for years. People grieve for years, months, weeks. And the first thing that I said, the pain's over. The battle's over. And I also knew that I was there when he needed, like, I didn't hang out with him. But every time there was a phone call, every time he needed some advice on Facebook Messenger, who was there, I was there. So I didn't have any regrets that I distanced myself too much. And then the other thing that I realized was that I was grateful that my dad thought I was man enough to, to share the news. And then I could be that beacon of light and that, that glue for him. Does that make sense? And the first thing that comes to my mind when this stuff happens is what can I pull? What are the learnings? Because my friends, shit's going to happen. Life ain't all sunshine and rainbows. And, and our problems are gifts once we learn from them. Problems are supposed to be in our life to give us learnings. And so for me, the learnings were that I did what I could and I can't control everything. You can only do so much and I can't take that on me and, and, and feel so bad about that as well. But what I can do is I can honor him every single day by playing full out. And then I can max out my life and I can become a stud every single day in honor of my brother. And every time that I speak, it, it's like a, a remembrance or an honor of him, but also letting people know that stuff's going to happen in your life and you can either let it sink you or you can, you can let it drive you and you can find the learnings. But I promise you it is a lot more 
of a liberating, beautiful experience when you ask yourself, what are the learnings and, and what are the gifts rather than focusing on the, all the bad because it'll keep you there. That's incredible. Donnie and I, we like to walk one day at a time, just uh, being from recovery. And that helps us with going through life because we never know where that next hit may be coming from. It, uh, something's going to come. Something's going to shake us. Something's going to put that moment of adversity on us. And we don't know where, we don't know when, we don't know how, but that's what doing the work of these things that you're talking about and the things that we like to share on because one day where you're not walking in that or can turn into a week. And then when something hits you, that core foundation isn't there to hold you up. That's when we can find ourselves lost and slipping back into those old dialogue for you to be able to, you know, flip the script of, of death of somebody so close to you, family blood that just shows that the work is, is being done daily. And, uh, man, we just pr- appreciate you being here, man. Like I don't, this is, this Thank is you, brother. grateful. Yeah. And what you mentioned too, about adversity is what I've noticed and, and what you might have noticed as well is a, a lot of successful people, they've been through the worst. They've been through the the ups and downs and the lowest of lows. And so I want to give people some uh, a perspective shift here is like, maybe you'd be listening to this interview right now and you have adversity. We all have adversity, whether it's one thing or another. And I want to let you know that your adversity sculpted you. Like you should be grateful for your adversity because it, 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 cr- it cultivated you into the man or woman you are today. If all of us had the perfect childhood, and we have the perfect parents and the perfect upbringing, we wouldn't be sitting on here doing this amazing interview, inspiring millions because of the things that we've been through. But also, if you take a person who was born into everything, which by the way, if you're listening to this and you were born into everything, this isn't a poke at you. I'm just making an analogy here. But if you were born into everything and you had the networks, you had the resources, you had the opportunities, you can go throughout life and you could become successful or you can self-sabotage it. And then you have a person over here. That's a good analogy because it's a short arm. It's less, right? You got uh, you got someone who wasn't born into a perfect life, who didn't have the greatest upbringing, didn't have the networks, resources, and opportunities. This person over here who had the adversity is going to have to work a little bit. They're going to have to cultivate more skills. They're going to have to cultivate more character. They're going to have to go through more barriers, which is actually going to cultivate you into a better character than someone who is actually given everything. And so to flip the script, like your adversity is a blessing channel it because that is the very thing that got you to where you are today. And I think that could be liberating for people because that could take them to the, from the victim to the victor, the why me to, wow, this is actually my greatest gift. Because even me, the majority of my life, I'm 25 for the majority of my life, 18, 19 years, I thought being born with no legs or an arm was the biggest curse, the most disgusting thing that can happen to me. But the truth is that it's my greatest form of influence to connect with people on a deeper level. And I'm thankful for it. And there's not many unicorns roaming around the, the, the earth. So I'm, I'm glad to be one of them. <laughs> I hear a lot of gratitude in your perspective, in your voice, in your heart. And clearly in your world, it's very important to be in a state of gratitude. So two-part question. First part would be, what are you grateful for today? And the second piece is, I just would be really curious to see what are your daily practices that shape this unshakable mindset that you have? Yeah, that's a great question. So what we do, and and for the people I teach as well, my my brand is Victorious. So we have this Victorious Five, right? So you may have heard of 75 Hard. That's another program, but this is just non-negotiables. Now I have non-negotiables in my life, whether it's one, two, five. Um, For example, my two main ones would just be my gallon of water and 45 minutes of movement. But the reason why non-negotiables are so important, because one, like we said, they'll craft and cultivate confidence and self-worth. But non-negotiables will ensure that despite what goes on in your personal life and your business life, that you will always feel progress. 
and you always feel successful because our darkest and our lowest days come from the days where we don't feel like we're moving the needle forward. We feel like we're stagnant, we're going backwards. And so, which by the way, most people have a, a dirt road to happiness and a highway to hell. What that means is that they design the rules for their life to make it really hard to feel successful. And they design the rules in their life to feel it's really easy for them to feel shitty about themselves. And for example, you can ask someone, what needs to happen in your life to be successful? And they'll say, I have four kids and they need to be happy 24-7, seven seven days a week. And I'm like, there you go. Can you see how this could be a conflict of happiness and success, right? And so you are in charge of your rules. And so what makes you feel successful? And so I would say implement non-negotiables in your life, but also gratitude. Now, gratitude is interesting because a lot of people think gratitude is like, fairies and unicorns and and magic dust. But in reality, gratitude is the most powerful emotion and it outweighs all the negative ones. And so it's actually emotionally impossible for you to feel grateful and sad, grateful and full of anxiety, grateful and depressed at the same time. The emotion of gratitude actually outweighs all the negative emotions. And I go through some gratitude, meditation and visualization. I don't look at my phone right when I wake up because I know something's going to set me off. I'm going to have to put out some fires. So just give me some time to be a human in the morning. And then also moving my body because my friends, we've all had moments where we don't want to go on that workout or like training camp. Uh, it's hot. I don't want to do this. But what do we say after? I feel so much better. And the reason why is because when you work out, you put your body under stress, your body then releases dopamine, which we call the awesome sauce, the stuff that makes you feel good. You always feel good after a workout. And so moving your body, but also I challenge you, you can be grateful for the things that you have, but can you be grateful for for things that haven't happened yet? You can. Now, if you can, because by the way, as humans, we get conditioned of, I'll feel great. I'll feel happy, grateful, and successful when I get the house or when I make this amount of money, or when I blah, 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 blah. We can enjoy the moment, but what I'm saying is when you visualize and you meditate on the things that you want, can you feel grateful for them before they even happened? You can. And by you being grateful for something that hasn't already happened yet, you are putting that into the quantum field and it's already happening in the future. You're already pulling it towards you because you can visualize something with no emotion, but if you visualize something with emotion, it makes it so much more powerful. And and the greatest athletes in the world, what do they do before games? They visualize the catch. They visualize the catch. They visualize running. And that way, one, they're attracting that event to happen in their life. But two, when they get there, they don't go, oh shit. They go, I've already been here before. I've been here before because I visualize it over and over again. And that's called neuron mirroring. Neuron mirroring is when you visualize, your brain can't decipher what's real and what's fake. Talk about the matrix. (laughs) Your brain doesn't know what's real or what's fake. That's why visualization and meditation is so powerful. And so to answer your, sorry, long-winded answer, but gratitude is one of the most powerful emotions. And what gratitude also does is gets you out of your head and into your heart. How many times have we over made things overcomplicated or thought ourselves out of an idea or a business plan or whatever it may be because we were in our head. But if we came from, if we led from gratitude and appreciation, I think you get better answers from, from in your heart rather than your head. And I don't know if anyone know this, but your heart came before your head and your heart came before your brain. So your heart actually has um, a mind of its own before your brain. <laughs> now, there's so much in there that from a morning routine standpoint, which for me personally, and I know Darren has his fully dialed in too, life changing and the not grabbing the phone thing. It, when you first wake up, which is what I used to do, right? Wake up, check email, check social media, check the text, especially if there's something like potential deal or a message we're waiting on and choosing not to do that. You come back to keeping the promises you make to yourself, choosing to say no to that 
is saying yes to yourself. You're not giving your power away to, to what's out there. So then not looking at your phone, even if you can just go five, 10 minutes, five minutes, I'm in the practice of that today, but that phone will sit there like it's freaking cracked sometimes still, <laughs> especially when there's something brewing. So I wanted to mention that and then the movement, moving your body, whether it's yoga, exercise, walking, life changing, right? Because it's moving stuck energy and it's changing your state. So your routine sounds a lot like mine and I know Darren. So the morning routine is like, it's a game changer, right? It's the foundation. It's something we do have control over because once the day gets going, there's a lot of stuff being thrown at us. Yeah, you know how that goes. If we don't get our workout in the morning, by 5 p.m., 6 p.m., we're like, ah, I don't really want to go. It's so much easier to get it done in the morning. So, yeah, what we, we like to ask next is uh, we'd like to take you back into an earlier version of yourself. But if you were to have one si- sentence, one tweet, one paragraph to say to a younger Nick who was trying to sift through all the thoughts, all the things that he was trying to fight, what would be a word of advice or encouragement that you would give to him uh, and why? Stay the course. Most people aren't persistent enough to get the results that they want. We always bounce to left. We bounce to we want to build four businesses. We want to do so many things at once. Get your one gold medal and then move on, Nick. And But I'd also tell him that if I could tell him early on, don't seek validation from external forces, seek validation from yourself, the game would change a little bit earlier. And so what that means is we've been conditioned as humans to seek validation from APs, Richard Millies. We've been seek validation from houses, cars, you name it, right? And we all know that it only gives you a quick fix of happiness and, and fulfillment, if that. But when you go within and you seek validation from within, I think the game tends to change. But also take your damn power back. Start st- Stop giving the opinions of others um, so much power because you and I and all of us can agree that we've given so much power to other people's opinions. We didn't go in on our dreams. We didn't take a shot at the girl or the guy because of something that other people said. And so I would say, take your power back. And uh, the only opinion that matters is the one that you have when you look into the mirror. And um, stop comparing. Comparison is a thief of joy. And uh, just compare you to the next greater version of yourself. Mm. That was a few tweets. I don't know. Twitter would probably ban me if I, if no, I tweeted that much. No, start a whole thread with that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But no, I can relate, man, especially stay in the course. I feel like nowadays, I feel like through staying the course, the things I value the most aren't the things that I get when I get to where I want to go. It's the lessons that I learn along the way or the principles that I adopt along the way. It's I've made it this far in my career and I could be like, yeah, the thing I'm most grateful for is the numbers and the touchdowns and people writing nice things about me. But no, I wake up and I know that things I'm most grateful for is my resilience my willingness to go towards the uncomfortable things instead of going the opposite direction from them. Those are things that I can't necessarily touch or just show you, put it in your face, but it's something that I can feel and something that you can see in me through consistency and just not giving your power to other people. I is well-documented. I grew up, I was addicted to your approval long before I was addicted to drugs and alcohol. And uh, I had to have that and, and working my way into freedom from that because you get yourself hardwired into that mindset. It's uh, definitely hard to break free. You can't even do your thing without making sure somebody else sees it first. And uh, for it to come from you, I love what you said about asking better questions. So that is uh, definitely a hack for that, man. Um, yeah, I'm, I, pre- I appreciate you, dog. I can't say that. Thank you, brother. And, and to, to top that off too is you could take away our cars, you could take away our business, you could take away the money, 
but you can never take away the work that we did on ourselves. So one thing they can't take away from us. Man, I hear so much. You are, we've had a lot of awesome guests, but I just feel like you are speaking our language with just some of the analogies. And even I hear so much of the four agreements and everything you're doing. So be impeccable with your word, right? That's keep the promises you make to yourself. When you don't show up for dinner with your friends, you're actually using your word against yourself because what you put out comes back to you. So it's just so powerful to keep those promises when you say you're going to wake up and meditate or wake up and move. When you say you're going to go to the gym, go to the gym because it's not about not like losing weight or gaining weight. If you don't go to the gym, you've broken a promise. And when you feel like crap about yourself, what do you do? You project it outwards, right? Misery loves company. So we bring it out. So it's awesome that we can just take personal responsibility to be the change and not wait for anybody else. And man, you are such a living example of that. It's, it's just inspiring to hear your story and your fire, brother. Thank you guys. Yeah, I'm grateful for the opportunity. And remember, reiterating to everyone that this is a process. All of us, Don, Darren, we've done the work on ourselves and we're still doing the work. Like the training never stops. We all know this, the training never stops. There's always a next level of life. And so wherever you're at in life, take a sense of comfort. But what Darren was mentioning too, it's about who you become. Most experts or teachers or gurus, they'll say, get clear on the goal and reverse engineer and whatever it may be. But no one ever teaches you how to become the person that can achieve it. And so um, realizing, like I said, that change is hard, but when we can override and constantly override the software in our brain and elevate to the next level, that's when the game tends to change. The matrix tends to change once you work on your inner self. Information happens from the inside out, right? Yeah. What would you say to somebody who, who maybe knows there's some awareness there? They know the biggest thing holding them back, but they don't know what to do about it. What would you tell that person? Hey, Google. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Well, which is interesting, and I take advantage of it, is, yeah, go find go find someone who has, like, this interview. Go consume positive content, because then the thoughts or the ideas will start to come. We need to, I'll paint the analogy, and I'm, this was Jim Rohn Zig Ziglar, I forget who said it was, that the, the brain is a garden. And if we don't tend our garden, weeds are going to grow. Which, what that means, if, if you're consuming the news, and you're consuming BS on social media all the time, then you're just going to have weeds grow in your garden. So we need to stand guard at the door of our brain, and be very conscious of what we're letting in but consume great content on a day-to-day basis. And most importantly, find someone who has the mindset. Find someone who has the lifestyle. Find someone who has the results that you want and then go model them. Our time and our energy are our two most valuable assets because we can never get them back. And I want to save everybody here time. Don't learn from someone who doesn't have the life that you want. Don't learn from someone who doesn't have the relationships, the mindset, the physique, whatever it may be. Everything that I've done, I'm only successful because I model the greats. I didn't do this on my own. I don't have to reinvent the wheel. I just got to make it smoother. And so find what you want in life and then go model them. If you want to become one of the greatest football players, go watch Darren's film. Go watch, analyze it, be obsessed with them, right? As a young kid. And then by the, you're going you're gonna to expedite your process. Go find some of the greatest speakers. Go find some of the greatest speakers and go model their stories and go model the way that they teach. I don't know what it is, but there are too many people learning from people who don't have the results that they want. And so I want to save people the time and make sure that you're very conscious the people that you're learning from that they actually do what they say they're doing. Does that make sense? For sure. For sure. Before Darren hits you with this last question, I just wanted to ask you, I've been seeing a lot of pictures with you in the rock. So can you just tell us a little bit about that? I, I feel like you're inspiring him more than he's inspiring you. Maybe it's mutual, but I don't know. I see a lot of love coming from him. Yeah. Yeah. When I was competing in bodybuilding, actually, when I moved to Tampa, I moved to Tampa before I moved to Vegas and I, cu- I committed for a, a men's physique show. 
And men's physique is the category in bodybuilding where they, where they don't judge your legs. So I was like, I'm gonna go on that one. And uh, so I, I did this 12 week preparation and I'm a big believer in moments of being guided. When your focus is right, you'll have moments of being guided, right? Where you have the right person pop into your life at the right time or the right networks or opportunities present themselves when you're focused on the right things. And I was on a 12-week preparation for my bodybuilding show. I was 10 weeks into it, so I was pretty shredded at the time. And I went to um, a gym in Las Vegas called City Athletic Club. And everybody was crowded around the gym. And I was like, what's going on? And my buddy goes, the rock is upstairs lifting. I'm like, oh my God, that's amazing. Can I still get my lift on? I'm on prep. I need a lift. And he's like, yeah. And to give you all context, I've blown him up with bodybuilding videos on his Twitter and he replied to me. So I knew he knew what I looked like. I stick out like a sore thumb. So I'm like, this guy already knows who I am. And I go into the gym, like, oh my God, there he is. And he's actually lifting. I was like, I'm not going to bother him. If the rock is who he says he will, he'll come up to me. Long story short, 45 minutes later, a security guard comes up to me. He goes, you're Nick, right? I'm like, yeah, not many people look like this. He goes, Dwayne wants to meet you. And so he brings Dwayne over and he gets on my level or tries his best to get on my level. And he goes, dude, I'm such a big fan. Um, I love what you do a picture with you and on the outside. I'm like, you know, sure, bro. But on the inside, I'm like, Oh my God. And so we, we take the picture after we took the picture. I looked at him and I said, I'm going to do what you did. And he said, what do you mean? I said, I'm going to take over the world. I said, I'm going to become the first Calvin Klein model with no legs. I'm going to write a book. I'm going to speak all over the world. I'm going to do this and that. He goes, you're right. Cause people like you and I, they put us in any industry and we adapt and overcome. And also, but the, the lesson in that is, Always have your goals and ambitions on the top of your brain and always share them with people because Don said in the beginning of this call, we plant seeds and we know, never know when those seeds are going to blossom and you never know what doors those people can open up for you. And so get clear on what you want and share it with a megaphone to everyone because you'll never know who can open that door for you. Yeah, you got to have a vision, got to you know, have the end in mind as you keep putting one foot in front of the other or what direction are you really going at that point. But uh, lastly, before we wrap up, we love to Show love to the people that have been in our lives and that played pivotal roles in us continuing to walk the walk that we're on. So if I were to ask you who, if you could give a comeback story, shout out to one person for all they've done for you, who would that person be? You got to give me one. Only got one. Shoot. That's mm-hmm. hard. First one. First one is my, I think that was my first hero looking up to my brother, just being a stud wrestler that, that cultivated me into the man I am today. And then three, four years ago, I was in a a small group of eight people and I was 21 years old and I was just a bodybuilder, didn't know much about life. And I shared my story and there was a guy um, in the corner and he looked at me, he said, one day you're going to be on stage with Tony Robbins. I said, who's Tony Robbins? I didn't really know who Tony Robbins was at the time. And I didn't know who this guy was. And we started to talk in and he said, you have a gift for sharing stories. And I think your story needs to be spread to millions. And he said, I'm going to work for you for free. And if you like the work we do, maybe one day we'll start a company together. Five years later, we got two companies together and I'm on a world tour with Tony Robbins. And that guy was some Russian. And now he's my best friend, my brother, and his name's Ratmir. And um, the reason why I share that is because sometimes it takes a different person from a different walk of life to see a gift in you that you may not see in yourself. Wow. Amazing. Amazing, bro. Again, want to acknowledge you first. Tell us or tell our audience, where can people track you down? Yeah. Most of my stuff is done on Instagram and Facebook. I'm starting to post on YouTube. I'm everywhere. But if you type in Nick, my last name is Santa Nastasso, which you guys crushed it in the interview. But if you type in Nick Santo, I'm the guy with the really long last name. I got no legs, one arm and a bunch of tattoos. You cannot miss me. So you'll find me out there. Dude, thank you, man. I just want to, again, acknowledge you for your strength, your perspective, your grit, your passion.
passion and then just making the time. I know you're crazy busy. So for making the time to uh, share your fire with us, it truly means the world to us. So thank you. Thank you guys. I appreciate the opportunity and I I look forward to spending some time together in Vegas. What I represent, staying true till I'm six down. It might take a little bit, but every king's gonna get crowned.